Coming up on Salt City Code, we talk to Amanda D'Arcangelo about women in machine learning and data science, her group's upcoming career fair, and the importance of collaboration in the tech community. My name is Karen Thorne. And I'm Kelly Corey. And together, we are Salt City Code. We'd like to take a minute to say thank you to our sponsor, Hack Upstate, for supporting Salt City Code. Hack Upstate's mission is to unite and facilitate collaboration among the greater upstate New York technology community. Twice a year, Hack Upstate organizes weekend hackathons. Developers and innovators from across central New York come to Syracuse to form teams, build projects, and win amazing prizes. It's all in 24 hours, and it's free to attend. Want to learn more? Visit hackupstate.com and get ready to code. All right, well, today we are here with Amanda D'Arcangelo. She is the head of the Women in Machine Learning and Data Science local Syracuse meetup, and I will let her tell us a little more about herself. Uh, yeah, so um, one of the big things I'm doing lately is the Women in Machine Learning and Data Science Meetup. Um, what that is, uh, WIMLDS, as we call it, because it's a very long name. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we do is um, we promote women and non-binary individuals in the machine learning and data science industry, which, mm-hmm. as we know, skews very male. Yes, <laughs> um, yes. So, you know, one of the main tenets of the organization is to circulate jobs. Um, you know, there's some sort of statistic about, I should know this being a data scientist, but um, <laughs> but there's a statistic about, like, um, men will apply for a job if they're qualified for 70% of what's on the job listing, whereas mm-hmm. women won't apply for a job until they cover about 90% of what's on a job listing. Which is 100% true because <laughs> Kelly and I have graduated from um, Careers in Code Boot Camp uh, mm-hmm. in August. We did mm-hmm. that. And we both have talked about this, you know, and a lot of jobs. I'm like, okay, I'm going to start looking for jobs so that I can get into it right away. And you start looking and then you see the list of what they're looking for. And it's like, okay, well, I can do that and that. But I don't know this, 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 and this. Mm-hmm. So I don't apply. Right. So um, I skipped over, I've skipped over probably, if I had to take a guess right now, 15 to 20 jobs. Yeah, mm. no, and that's that's a huge issue, especially in technology, you know. Mm. Um, women and minorities are more likely to come to technology through non-traditional routes. Mm-hmm. And so because we come through non-traditional routes, we tend to not cover everything that's in a job description. Um, So like a couple months ago, we had representatives from MODIS, the uh, tech recruiting agency in town. Um, We had them come in and talk about applying for jobs in tech and what exactly that means and how to... Really sad I missed that. Me too. I was so bad. Yeah, like I would have been there 100% for that. Yeah, unfortunately, I was away at a work event for that, but I heard it was super helpful. Uh, And, you know, they talked about what it takes to apply for a job, how to feel Mm -hmm. comfortable in an interview, how to ask for salary and negotiating salary and how to negotiate non-salary benefits. So, like, how do you negotiate your work from home? How do you negotiate Mm -hmm. your health benefits? How can you get more out of it that fits your lifestyle? I mean, especially if you consider women in technology because it's such a male-dominated workforce there's often little consideration of things like 
leave after birth, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, maternity leave and paternity Mm -hmm. leave and what that actually means when you come back, you know, having to do things like have a room where a woman can go pump. And and so how do you negotiate those benefits before you actually go to this job that's probably male dominated? Mm -hmm. Wow, that's such an important workshop to have, because I'd like to also mention, since we talked about careers in code, um, the other career advice we were given is that, yeah, we know uh, you may not meet all the requirements for a job, but just apply anyway. Mm-hmm. And that was it. It was just apply. Just do it. Just put it in there. Even if you don't have all the requirements, just do it. And I was like, well, that's really easy for you to say, but <laughs> we have to think a little deeper than that. So it sounds like this workshop would have been really helpful. You know, it wasn't just a flat like, oh, just go do it. It's fine. Everything's fine. It was really in depth and like, here's what you should do. Yeah, it was really about um, it was about finding a career path that's right for you and how to awesome. understand that position in terms of you, not in terms of like the overarching thought of I just need a job Mm -hmm. see and that's probably where I have been Mm -hmm. of like I just want to get a job in tech and I want to start coding and doing things you know that like that every day because that's what I like to you know Mm -hmm. I want to be I want to love my job and go to it whether I'm working from home or whether I have to go to an office or whatever it is Mm -hmm. so yeah, no, and um, so so a lot of what I do, I run the Syracuse Wimmel DS Twitter account, and um, and so a lot of what I do is I follow a lot of recruiters, and I'll repost job postings that they put up oh, and make cool. sure that everyone, you know, has full access to them. They can see them wherever they are. Awesome. Um, and then we dedicate the last 10 minutes of every speaker session to anyone that wants to announce a job posting that they saw. That they were like, oh, I'm not okay. super into this one. But, you know, if anyone else wants it, like, um, yeah, I'm not super confident with my resume right now because um, I haven't, you know, since we ended the boot camp, I really haven't like coded anything mm-hmm. just because I've been trying to get other things done. And then I left my job right. to start my own business, which <laughs> <laughs> fingers crossed starts picking up and getting I get clients and everything. Um, so I thought, well, I can go. But everything that they're going to look at on there hasn't been touched since like probably august or later so yeah i was like nope i'm like forget it never mind it's not going to get me anywhere yeah and i mean those are the kind of insecurities that we're trying to um eradicate because honestly they may have looked at it and been like wow you have so many cool projects i don't care that you haven't touched them since august they're still really cool and no one else does projects. <laughs> one podcast you can't see me, but I really just did the mind blown hand gesture because I had never considered that perspective ever. Like that's yeah. the exact same way I feel. Yes. My personal website needs a redesign. I know it does. I haven't touched it since August, frankly. And I just have like beat myself. Sorry. Now we're getting really personal. I just kind of like beat myself up about it. Like nobody's going to, you know, they're going to look at this and think it's garbage. But that's a really good perspective to keep in mind that like people could act also be impressed that like you've done this exactly the fact that you simply have a website i mean in tech that is definitely something that a lot of people have but not probably not everyone and the fact that you've taken that step shows that you have the initiative to do things on a personal basis versus just doing something for your job so yeah we we spend 10 minutes every where we meet on the first tuesday of every month and we spend 10 minutes going over jobs that people might be interested in you know anyone's welcome to bring a position that they that they saw or that they're promoting themselves like if they know that 
their BI team at work is looking for someone, mm-hmm. feel free to announce it at the at the end of the meeting. Um, because really, the idea is to get more women and non-binaries in tech and get a little bit more diversity and different perspectives and tell different stories. I didn't even know that like there was a re- an, a local recruiter company like mm-hmm. uh, Modus that you were talking about. So I'm just kind of kind of put it out there that if they want to do another workshop, <laughs> that would be greatly appreciated. And Thanks. we can kind of like push that out and definitely... Um, because I, honestly, I didn't know about it until you just mentioned it. Yeah. Um, and I would absolutely put that in like all of the Slack channels that <laughs> are local, to, you know, for us and be like, sure. you know, and, and yeah. you know, mm-hmm. just so many other people like, you should come, you know, just come, just come, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, I would greatly appreciate it. We're a complete nonprofit. We don't have sponsorship. So really it's just, you know, me on Twitter saying, hey, come to our, <laughs> come to our mm-hmm. meetup. Um, and Uh, especially a lot of our group is made up of students. So like our last two meetups have been very small because it's, it's winter. And so all the students are away, but I will say we do have an event coming up in on March 7th. It's not a speaker session. It's going to be a full day event from 10 to four and we're having a career fair. So we can, okay. Yeah, right, everyone, put that on your calendar. <laughs> yeah. March seventh career fair. Yeah, it's um, it's specifically for positions that are machine learning and data science. So, you know, you go to a, especially students go to a college career fair, and mm-hmm. the amount of jobs that are specific to machine learning and data science are like one out of every fifty. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> it, right, and I was gonna say, I, I think. I've been to, like, a career fair probably once in my lifetime, Mm -hmm. um, in my whole job career. Um, And some of them can be overwhelming and some Mm -hmm. of them can be confusing because, you know, you go and you have all of these (laughs) jobs that that you're trying to, you know, fill, but tell me more about them. And they're like, oh, well, you need to just, like, apply. Okay, great. You know, like, so you don't have any more information, like what I'm going to be doing on a daily basis type thing for each position because they have so many positions listed. So I like the fact that it's geared just for, you know, the data science um, and machine learning that I think Mm -hmm. sometimes they need more career fairs that are dedicated like that. Yeah, and I mean, you, you got really to the heart of the issue. You could be applying for literally any spectrum of job you could be going in for hr you could be going in as a medical professional or operations or so they could you know they could have so many jobs listed for someone that's in this industry and whereas here you walk in the door um and we are doing it here at the co-work space oh nice nice. Um, yeah so hopefully it will be less overwhelming because it's not a giant space like they usually are yeah i'm trying to think of where it was that i went because it was here in syracuse and Mm -hmm. i don't know Maybe it was the On Center. They do a lot oh, there. And they do a lot of them there. And that's probably what it was. It was like just booth rows and rows of booths. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't even know where to start. Because, sure. you know, unless you are seeking out a specific company mm-hmm. after what they have, you know, you're like, do I even stop at that booth? Because are they going to have what I'm looking for? Sure. You know. Right. Yeah. And so you walk in the door and you know that the positions are tailored to you. I mean, obviously there's discrepancies within our industry. There's, you know, there's cybersecurity and there's business intelligence and there's 
natural language processing, and those are all very oh, different neat. types of things, but you know walking in that everything is going to center around some sort of very um, data, machine learning, algorithm-driven mm-hmm. tech, which I think is a really important way to start growing the industry here. I mean, with Surge Syracuse and yeah. all of these initiatives, the idea is to keep tech local Mm-hmm. tech resources local and we can't do that if people can't find jobs here we know the jobs are out there but people need to be able to find them right absolutely agreed uh, yeah i definitely think so and um you know and, and to to like kelly's point you know you, you have your resume i didn't th- i never thought of that perspective either mm-hmm. you know of like oh yeah you did all these cool projects actually you know what let me talk to you a little <laughs> more yeah you know you, because the mindset has always been or at least it's for me, mm-hmm. you know, because I'm Generation X, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'm not ashamed of that. Yep, I'm Generation <laughs> X. So, um, but the mindset, you know, when back when I was in high school, it was like, well, you need to have all these skills in order to get the job. Mm-hmm. That's that's hard to get away from, you know. And sure. like I said, I looked, I looked at probably 15 to 20 jobs I passed over because, well, I don't have 85% of those skills that they're looking for. I only mm-hmm. have the 15. Right. And first, I will say you should not be ashamed of being Generation X. (laughs) You are doing a really cool thing. You're changing your career. You're Mm -hmm. starting a business. That is awesome no matter what age you're at. Um, And, yeah, I think having a career fair makes this a more human interaction. So it'll Mm -hmm. let – it takes away – Often I have to uh, caveat my statements by saying that I really love data. I really love algorithms. I think both are really important to help us move forward as a society. Mm -hmm. However, um, you know, taking an algorithm out of the job process. So like, you know, a lot of HR departments, they now have programs that will run through all of your Mm -hmm. resume and they will read your resume Mm -hmm. and... um, they and hit keywords. Right. They yeah. look for the skills or they look for things like, um, so, so for instance, sometimes when I'm looking for a job, like the last job move that I made, I literally moved. I was living in New Hampshire and I was looking for a job back here in Syracuse. I grew up in Baldwinsville and I, I wanted to move back. And, um, a lot of times what those algorithms do is they see New Hampshire <laughs> listed on on my resume as part oh, yeah. of my resume. They're looking for New York, and so my resume goes to the bottom of the pile because I'm not local. Um, so to take that out of that and to let a true person talk to you and say, oh, I see you haven't been working on these projects since August. What else have you been working on? Mm-hmm. And then you can go like, oh, I started my own business and I quit my job. And right. and um, just to, to be able to put a face to that piece of paper they're looking at is so important. So now I have this question for you. Go for it. Is, so when you wanted to leave New Hampshire and come back here to New York and mm-hmm. you started looking and you knew that the alg- that algorithm was going to be a-, a factor, did you leave off your address so that you would find the position here in New York? I didn't, but I have heard that advice before and I know some people that do that, especially um, remote workers, they'll leave their address off of their resume. I didn't because... I um, I explained in my cover letters that I was moving, and to me, it felt like if they didn't read the cover letter, then I don't really know <laughs> if I, you know, they're asking me to spend the time to do this. They should be spending the time to get to know me as well. Um, 
You'd think, right? <laughs> exactly. Yes. And, well, <laughs> Kelly knows my feeling on cover letters. <laughs> oh, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> so I feel almost, I almost feel that in this day and age, a cover letter is a waste of time because how many of them actually read it? Like, you can, and I've done it because I've, I've only applied to a few places, but mm-hmm. I tailored my cover letter to their company. I did the research, found out about their company. And I tailored my, my cover letter to that. Mm-hmm. Did they read it? Probably not, because I only got one company that I applied to mm-hmm. that actually, like, got a hold of me, sent something back, you know, whatever mm-hmm. it was that they were going to do. Yeah. Um, I said to Kelly one day, I was like, I'm so sick and tired of this, you know, that, and they mm-hmm. all want a cover letter. I'm about ready to say... Um, if you really want to know who I am and about me, then you need to contact me and, you know, like Mm -hmm. I'm sending you my resume so that you can see what I've done. But, you know, how do you expect to hire people if you aren't going to talk to them and give them a chance? Yes. You know, like I, in other words, I was getting really salty (laughs) (laughs) about wanting to send cover letters yeah and mm-hmm. i mean in this day and age it becomes redundant you know they ask for your linkedin profile they ask for your personal website they ask for your twitter mm-hmm. account they ask for your instagram mm-hmm. you know you can see my entire life in all of these things that you've asked me about if you if you're getting to the point where you're going through all of this and you're like wow i think i'd really like to hire her still mm-hmm. call me <laughs> let's just chat let's just chat about yeah. it and and the other thing about that, too, is I can understand LinkedIn because that's very business-oriented. Um, and unless your Twitter or your Instagram is, is also business-oriented, why no does my employer need to know that? Like, right. why does my potential employer need to know that? That's mm-hmm. part of my personal life. And mm-hmm. personal, at least my belief is, personal life and business life should be completely two separate things. Completely agreed. And... Um I think companies are starting to come to the realization now, but, um, you know, as tech resources, we're extremely valuable. We're, we're on the cutting edge of every company. And if they care enough about their company to want to grow it and move it forward, they need to hire really good tech resources. They need to realize that to hire really great tech resources, you need to put a little effort in. Right. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. Um, it, you know, I guess my whole thing behind it is you should be looking at whether or not I can do the job that you are requiring, mm-hmm. not what I do on my personal life. Absolutely. Now, if I like to go home and, <laughs> you know, get under a blanket and eat a bag of potato chips every day, that shouldn't care. It shouldn't matter to you that <laughs> I do right. that. You know, if, and if I'm going to watch Tom and Jerry cartoons, which, by the way, I will say I like to still watch Tom and Jerry cartoons. My son comes in and we watch them. But, you know, yes. like that shouldn't matter. It, that right. should have mm-hmm. nothing to do with my performance on the job and whether or not I can do the job. So sometimes right. that gets a little under my skin, too. Completely agreed. Sure. Also, I'd like to mention as a resident millennial on the podcast that mm-hmm. instead of Tom and Jerry, uh, now that we have a subscription to Disney Plus, I watch 90 Simpsons episodes. That's, Quality. Mm-hmm. Big fan. My new free time. <laughs> I love this. Great. Would you like to go from zero to full stack web developer in 24 weeks? Karen and I did. We're graduates of the first cohort of Careers in Code, a coding boot camp also sponsored by HackUpState. Learn HTML, CSS, JavaScript, and more from awesome instructors and incredibly patient TAs. 
If you're ready to change your career, sign up for the second cohort waitlist at careersincode.org. You can also sign up for the Hack Up State Careers in Code monthly newsletter to receive updates, upcoming events, and job opportunities. That's careersincode.org. Oh, so I had another question for you about the yeah. career fair. Um, for people like myself who haven't been to a career fair in a while, uh, what would you suggest people bring? Um, I would say definitely bring copies of your resume. Okay. Um, make sure you have a pen or a pencil or something to write with and maybe a notebook or, you know, your computer. To me, nice. usually um, having my computer with me at places that I have to walk around is mm -hmm. a little um, it's a little cumbersome. You know, if if you're trying to take notes while they're um, while they're talking to you about a job, you know, there's going to be the little boost. You're going to have to set it up and stuff. So carrying a notebook around in my pocket helps a little bit or if you want to okay. take notes on your phone. But um, definitely something to take notes with. Tons of copies of your resume and yes. um, um, yeah, that's really it. I mean, you know, dress for the job you want, which sounds cheesy and, <laughs> and stereotypical, but I mean, it doesn't even just apply to dressing up anymore. I mean, if you, if you know how you want to appear in the workplace, mm -hmm. not every workplace is business casual or business formal anymore. You, True. you know, we're going to, we're partnering with the tech garden. Oh, and awesome. so, okay, um, so the plan is to have a number of startups there. You know, Neat. they um, often don't care about your dress code as much. So dress for what you want to go for. If you want a job at AXA, maybe wear a tie. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, that's actually it's funny because um, at the end of like the boot camp, I don't. There was a few guest speakers, and you know, dress code sort of came up, and mm -hmm. I was like, you know. I'm at the point now where I want to. I I don't want to work for a big company. Mm -hmm. sure. You know, I want to work for a medium to smaller size or remotely, mm -hmm. because I'm done with the whole business casual. Like I want to wear <laughs> jeans and a mm -hmm. t-shirt and let me do my job. Because yeah, why do you care what I look like if I can do my job properly? Right. I understand if you're in the public eye all the time. Mm -hmm. That's one thing. But for a lot of what we do. You sit in the tech, a desk all day. you're behind yeah. a desk, yeah. you know, and you're not interacting with public. So let me be comfortable. Why do I need to be uncomfortable? Exactly. Right. Love that. That's the 2020 attitude where you wear <laughs> on Salt City Coast. Yeah. Yeah. Comfortable. I mean, I'm basically wearing pajamas right now. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I mean, I but you're comfortable. I'm, every day. So I'm very comfortable. It's very nice, and um, and you know, that's that's how. It should be. You shouldn't. Your appearance shouldn't dictate the work that you can do. The work no. that you do should dictate the work that you can do. Right. And okay, that's a quote post. So and this is a marker to myself. Too. Yeah. Cut that out because that's great. Thank you. Well, because the other thing behind that is, if you're comfortable, you're going to do more work and yes. you're going to produce more right. work. Exactly. You know, so, if you're if you're stressed about what outfit am I going to wear tomorrow or, man, this is uncomfortable, I wish I didn't have to wear this button up or something like that, mm -hmm. you're not going to do as great work. You're going to constantly be distracted. Your mind can mm -hmm. only focus on so many things at a time. And if one of those things is, man, I don't feel good in the way that I'm dressed, that's, that's going to just take away from what you're doing. Totally agree. So... 
When did you know that you wanted to get into tech? Um, were you in high school? Were you in middle school? Younger than that? So it's weird. Um, I grew up in a very low-tech household. I did not get my first laptop okay. until I went to college. Oh, me too. <laughs> Same. Yeah. Same. So, um, so like... You know, I was one of those houses where, you know, you got an hour of TV and then you go outside and play. You know, we didn't have cable for years, I think, until like seventh or eighth grade. We just didn't have cable. So very low tech household. My dad's an engineer, so I've always had that kind of logic mind. But I always okay. thought I was going to be a lawyer. Oh, all right. Quite important. <laughs> yeah, which... Strangely enough, they um, it's a very similar mindset. It's all about like thinking through a problem and understanding how to create a solution for it um, or arguing a solution for it, whether it's right or wrong. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so I didn't really find out that I wanted to do tech until really my senior year of college. I was um, I was in a political science program at Buffalo State University. And, um, go see me, Buffalo. <laughs> um, and, um, and I had these two really great professors, um, Kyungai Beck and Peter Yakabuchi. And, um, and both of them were teaching my political statistics courses. So the first semester was Yakabuchi and he did theory. And then the next semester I had Kyungai Beck and she did the, um, you know, the lab session where you're you're in there, you're learning how to code global trending. And so you mm. you do all these statistics, you do a lot of um, like project work and you figure out how to solve problems using the statistics behind them. Um, and with that, you know, we worked with SPSS to start out, which is a point and click statistical program. Um, but then there was a very small group of us that Beck was like, you guys are really good at this. I think that you can work with this. And so she taught us Stata, which is the first pseudocode that I ever knew or wrote. I mean, I had done some HTML and CSS, but nothing extensive. Um, so Stata is another statistical program, but it's not point and click. You have to write code to get okay. to to get through the formulas. Um, and so. I fell in love with it. I thought it was so mm -hmm. cool. Um, I wrote this ridiculous, like, 40-page statistical paper about wealth disparity, and it just had, like, code littered throughout it. And so I fell in mm -hmm. love with statistics and went from there. You know, I, um, I TA'd the course the next semester and just really got into the statistics of it. So that is definitely mm -hmm. my stronger suit than code is. Mm -hmm. But um, but then, you know, I taught myself Python. I, um, um, I love Python. <laughs> I want to learn it. It's my favorite language, I think. Um, awesome. Yeah. Um, so I taught myself Python. I had a class in R, which is another statistical programming language. You know, I hear people talk about <laughs> R anytime data science comes yeah. up. It's like, it's, um, it's a big deal in data science, especially in um, public sector and academic because it's okay. open source. So it's oh, free. Cool. Okay. Nice. Yeah. So, um, you know, you can contribute to it. There are different packages and libraries um, and it allows you to do a lot of really cool things on a budget, which is why awesome. a lot of public institutions and educational facilities like academics use mm -hmm. a lot of R. Um, 
Whereas often in the private sector, you see people migrating towards things like Tableau and SciSense and Power BI and and visualization tools that are point and click. So they're less technically stringent um, so that Mm -hmm. there's a greater diversity of their workforce that can actually interact with the machine um, Mm -hmm. without having to upskill to that truly coding mentality. But yeah, so I learned R, I learned Python, and I graduated and got a data job. And then I got a job consulting. Um, I, I It was like a third-party consultant for tech companies. Um, so did more statistical analysis there and, um, and got to get my hands on my first ETL project, which Ooh, was exciting. Okay. Um, and, you know, I, the company that I worked for, they were migrating all of their Excel spreadsheets that they had had for... (laughs) Keep in mind, this is a financial analysis firm, effectively. So every quarter, they put out financial analysis spreadsheets and reports on hundreds of companies. So they just have spreadsheet after spreadsheet for 20 years. Um, So we took all of those spreadsheets and we were creating this database around them. And then we were going to create a visualization tool that we could sell Mm -hmm. sell to clients instead of them buying reports every month or every quarter. They would log in and they wouldn't have to get anything delivered. And then Mm -hmm. the analysts could focus on analysis as opposed to data creation. Oh, that's awesome. That sounds really helpful. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the idea it was to, um, you know, upgrade their time from root data to Mm -hmm. actually doing analysis, which is what they were best at. Um, So I got I got my hands on a database for the first time and it was really exciting. That's cool. (laughs) Yeah. And then from there, I. Uh, I worked for a startup, Rosie Applications, and they're down in Ithaca, and um, I was half of a two-person data team, (laughs) 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 which is fairly typical for a startup. I think when I was there, there were maybe 30 to 50 employees, Okay. Um, so still very small, but operating with high growth in mind, so Mm -hmm. everyone's kind of doing everything. And from there, I got to do full stack data engineering and analytics. So I got to do everything from where is our data and how do we get it into the warehouse (laughs) to, uh, hey, client, here is how you log in. And these are all the cool things you can do on our front end. Nice. How much did you love that? Oh, it was so cool. Yeah, it was um, it was really exciting to be able to do end to end analytics. And that's really interesting. Like, for example, we um, we had a solution, just like a third-party app that tracked our clickstream data, okay. um, because what Rosie Application does is they provide online grocery platforms to small uh, hmm. grocery providers. Oh. Yeah, I would not have considered that as a business. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so um, it's like Instacart almost. Okay. So you know, so Instacart does really big chains. Right. Um, and what Rosie does is they focus on smaller chains that don't have any of the technical resources at all to do any of it, basically. That's super neat. Um, so there's a ton of clickstream data on our website mm-hmm. because you know, customers are going on and buying groceries. So how long do they spend on this page? How long do they spend on that page? Mm -hmm. Did they buy a product after 10 seconds of looking at it? Or did they buy a product Mm -hmm. after 15 seconds of looking at it? 
and different things like that. So, um, but this was a third-party data um, provider that did not integrate easily into our data warehouse. So I got to do this really cool project where I brought all of that data in and figured out how to integrate it and Mm -hmm. then created a dashboard that both our clients and marketing partners could look at and say, this is how my store is doing or this is how my ad is doing on the platform and stuff like that. Nice. So people can spend more time focusing on that and less time on trying to sift through. Exactly. You know, they can see on the visualizations what the story is telling them as opposed to having to figure out how to start writing on a blank page. Sure. We're just trying to get awareness out there for tech and maybe we are geared a little bit more towards women to get them into the tech, mm-hmm. but it's to grow the tech community and yeah, to let them yeah. know that, hey, Syracuse has a tech community, and yeah. actually it's right. probably a bigger than you think. Exactly, and it's yeah. also super easy to get into the tech community. Yeah. We want to make more people aware. You know, There are meetups you can come to every month. There are people out there you can talk to. Most of us are pretty cool and willing to talk to you about stuff. Um, we have resources if you want to get started in code or if you haven't coded in a while and you want to get back into it. I think I am really grateful for the Syracuse Tech community. This has been a huge life change for me, and I want more people to, you know, yeah. come to Yes, yeah. and because everybody's always, and that's the big thing. They are. They're helpful. They're like, mm-hmm. and if one person doesn't know it, they might know somebody else who does, mm-hmm. and they just kind of put a shout out, and then, you know, all of a sudden you have all these people that are answering, and you're like, oh, cool. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, now I have awesome. more avenues to go. I, I have really started to get a feel for that, you know. I will reach out to one person and then I'll be like, oh, you know, that person is saying this to that person. And then that person is like, oh, you should talk to Amanda about that. So like, for Mm -hmm. example, I did, um, I did a lecture up at SU, um, at the iSchool in October and just happened to meet the director of membership over at, um, at the Tech Garden. Oh, nice. Um, who you should totally have on, Caitlin Moriarty. She is so cool. (laughs) Um, but she, then she spoke at the thing too. And, um, and then afterwards she was like, Hey, we should, we should do something. We should get together. And so she came and spoke for us this past, um, actually last week, she came and spoke at our speaker session. Mm -hmm. Um, and she talked about Syracuse surge and she was really great. And, um, and then afterwards I was just like, Oh, Hey, like, I, we're trying to put on a career fair and she was like yeah I'll talk to everyone at, at the tech garden and we'll oh, even get amazing. old members that don't like have membership anymore but we'll get everyone in and we'll make it happen awesome. so everyone's really enthusiastic I think mm-hmm. which is good because I've been in other areas um, in my career and some people that are that have been there for a long time and then they're starting to think about maybe retiring or getting out or whatever. Mm-hmm. But they still don't want to pass on what they know. It's mm-hmm. like you, no, you can't know that. Uh, uh-uh. uh, nope, nope, nope. I'm not telling you. You have to figure it out for yourself. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, that I'm like, what is the point? Like, if you aren't going to show me how to do it, like I'm not mm-hmm. here, you know, if to take your job until you're ready to go, if that's what you're thinking, you know, or yeah. even if you know, it's about, hey. You're sick for a couple of days, and mm-hmm. this still needs to be done. Right. You need if full you're coverage. the only exactly. one that knows it, 
Uh, then that's going to impact not just one person, but it could impact the entire company depending mm-hmm. on what it is. Yeah. And that's it's such a hard concept for some areas to understand. It you know when you when I came into tech and everybody's like, oh yeah, sure, you know, blah, blah, you know, like they're yeah. ready to help you at the snap of a finger, and it's like, wait, what? Yeah, I um, there's this article that I read on Medium a couple of years ago, and it's really stuck with me. It was about how this company fired the smartest person in the room. And it wasn't because they were bad at their job or anything. It was because they did their best to ensure they were an entrenched employee. So, you know, it was an IT department. They made sure that they were the only person that knew the login to the server. Or they were the only person who could figure out this piece of code and not just figure it out, but then when they wrote that code, it was so convoluted that that person Mm. was the only person who could understand that code. And they wouldn't write documentation and they didn't work well with others. And Mm. I, I think that's becoming such a big no no in the tech community like Mm -hmm. we have to work with one another to complete projects and my motto is that documentation saves lives like i don't want to do the same i i get bored pretty easily i don't want to do the same thing over and over and over and over and over again so if i write documentation to do that thing not only when I'm sick or you know if I win the lottery or something like like, here take all of my stuff Mm -hmm. so someone else can do it but it means that I can finish a project I can write documentation for it generally the types of projects I do are creating some sort of automation or simplifying a more technical process so then i hand it over to the business user i'm like this is no longer a technical issue Mm -hmm. take it it's your job to handle the process now here's all of the documentation if you run into an issue or if it breaks let me know i will fix it Mm -hmm. but from now on i'm not doing this process for you (laughs) right yeah awesome because i want to move on to the next thing and Mm -hmm. if you know i i think it's um it's indicative of a move in tech that um, that some people are still holding on to, where they're they're scared to let go of their knowledge mm-hmm. because they want to be a knowledge safe. Right, because they think that's what makes them valuable. Is exactly. If I have this knowledge, then I will always have a job and I will always be needed somewhere, and that's the value they bring. Right. Whereas now, I think what a lot of technical resources understand is the value that they bring is not the skills we have the internet everyone can learn the skills yeah (laughs) but it's not just the tech the community that's like that it's i had a boss who when i worked in retail and i even now i i'll say it a lot too um and he always said work smarter not harder Mm -hmm. and to me you know when you're sharing that information and you're doing the documentation so that somebody else can take care of it if you're Mm -hmm. out or whatever that's working smarter not harder. Exactly. Right. I mean, I have enough stuff going on in my brain generally. Mm-hmm. Having a partner or a team that I can work on it and offload some of those brain requirements, mm-hmm. you know, say, you know, I don't need to know this thing because you know this thing and you wrote this thing down. So if I do need to know this thing, I can go to you. But right now I don't need it. So 
thank you for writing it down. This is awesome. We can share. We can create a project together because all of us together create this puzzle piece of knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we can always jump in for one another if needed. Absolutely. I feel like mm-hmm. the phrase, because that's how we do it, is not allowed in the tech community. Oh, I mean, God. it shouldn't be allowed anywhere. <laughs> right, right. That is the worst reason to do anything. Exactly. Oh, because that's how we do it. No. No. Yeah. I think that's the thing that people don't realize about automation is we're not creating free time or killing jobs or anything we're creating time that that individual then has to do something else that's more important you know this this person who instead of you know doing all of those manual changes could do it in an excel spreadsheet is instead committing the rest of their time to something else really important and vital at that job they're not you know, they didn't lose their, that position didn't go away because you automated a process that was horrifically manual. Mm-hmm. It became more effective. Right. It became more did. efficient. Yes. Yeah. And that, that I think that's the hardest, um, the hardest feature of automation to present to people because mm-hmm. they hear automation or they hear, you know, oh, we're going to create efficiency. They hear mm-hmm. job, job loss. Exactly. <laughs> um, so true, though. But realistically, all we really want to do as, as people who code and people in technology, yeah. we want to create free time for people to do in their lives things that matter more. Exactly. Give them the time and space to work on more interesting problems. Exactly. We've got a lot of them in this society. We're not going to run out. <laughs> yeah. Good Lord. Let's just automate some of the other stuff, and then we can really narrow in on those. Yes. 100%. Uh, what is your website? People want oh, to check that um, www.saltcityanalytics.com. Cool. I just sounded like a super old person because I said www. <laughs> you would be surprised how many people need that, need to hear that. Yeah. Um, so... Tell us about Salt City Analytics. Oh, yeah. So Salt City Analytics is a company that I have. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't do a ton with it. Um, I have a full-time job um, that I love and I really enjoy being able to commit myself to a team and a company, but I do outside Mm -hmm. consulting. So, um, you know, if anyone wants a one-off project or, for example, that lecture at SU that I did that was routed Mm -hmm. through Salt City Analytics, I have a couple clients, you know, that I do a couple hours a month for that they need some data maintenance or they need of quick one-off dashboard built or they need mm. a formula created because they aren't statistically savvy and so they they need to understand how to get to a place and then I can hand it off to them and be like okay so every time that you need this run use this formula or use this yes. dashboard or whatever um so like I said I don't do a ton through it but um what I do through it is fun and projects and um you know a little extra passive income. <laughs> hey, right. There's nothing wrong with that. When is the Women in Machine Learning and Data Science Meetup? Because I'm not going to say the acronym. <laughs> like, I'm not ready. Okay. Wait. So, what is it? WimbledS? WimbledS. WimbledS. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, WimbledS meets every first Tuesday of the month. So, okay. we had our speaker session last Tuesday. Um, and that meetup is almost always a speaker session. Um, So this coming 
first Tuesday of the month, which I believe is February 3rd or 4th. I do not have a calendar in front of me. Yeah, um, sounds about right. <laughs> but uh, we're having Martha Grabowski, who is the head Ooh. slash director, the same thing. But um, she's the director of the IS school at Lemoyne. Oh, neat. Yeah. Okay. So she's going to be talking about very technical topics, particularly around optimizing process performance on um, high traffic networks. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So she's going to talk about parallel processing and um, and like creating effective code and how do you run data that is giant. I mean, once you start uh-huh. getting into big data, like billions of rows, mm-hmm. how do you even process any of that? How do you sift mm-hmm. through the? How do you sift through the mountain to get to the? blade of grass yeah really um so she's going to talk all about that so that's really cool um and then our event after that is actually on a saturday and it's our career fair nice yeah yeah cool um is there anything else you'd like to mention while you're here like where can our listeners follow you oh you can follow me on twitter at greater than x bar um which is a statistical term um so you can follow me on twitter uh, i don't post a ton but i do repost everything that wimble ds posts because i also run the syracuse wimble ds mm-hmm. which is at syracuse wimble ds um awesome. and um so you can follow me there. I'm always reposting job posts um, and different data science stuff. So um, I think that's really it. Um, my website, come to the career fair. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> right. Yeah. Come to the career fair. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, Amanda. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Yes, thank you thank so you. much for having me. This is awesome. Thanks. You shared so much good information. I really appreciate it. Which <laughs> I learned some things. Yes. That's rad. If you're interested in speaking at a Women in Machine Learning and Data Science meetup, please reach out to Amanda on Twitter at GreaterThanXBar. All speakers have to be women or non-binary individuals. If you would like to follow me on my personal learning curve journey, my website is kethorn.com, Instagram, Karen Thorne, Twitter, kthorne, and email, contact at kethorne.com. Also, Be on the lookout for JS Web Development, LLC, as I'm starting my own business. Twitter and Instagram are JS Web Dev. I'm working on a website that should be up soon, and that's jswebdevelopment.com. You can always email me at jswebdevelopment at gmail.com. You can keep up with Kelly by following my Instagram and Twitter at thisiskelcore, or visiting my personal site, kel.dev. together we are salt city code you can follow along with the podcast at salt city code on instagram and twitter and if you have any questions comments or concerns you can reach out to us at saltcitycode at gmail.com and remember always keep keep it it salty. salty